0: Hi, everyone. This is Anna from the Don't Mind Me podcast. Whether this is your first time listening or your 20th time, thank you. My prayer is that this podcast will encourage you, whether you are in a mountaintop season or in a valley season. Before we get into today's episode, I did want to ask you just two things. Number one, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it. Share with your friends, share with your neighbors. Share it with anyone that you think might be encouraged by it. And second, please, if you haven't already, go ahead and give us a five-star rating, as this will definitely just ensure that even more people will get to see it and listen to it. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Don't Mind Me podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Anna from the Don't Mind Me podcast, and today I have... Katie McCown with me on the podcast. Katie, go ahead and say hi to everybody. Hello. Good (laughs) afternoon or morning or whatever time of day it is for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, I'm very excited. So normally I tell you guys how I know the person, et cetera. I actually just met Katie, so we're we're new friends, new acquaintances here, uh, but Katie is an author. You previously edited or worked with Proverbs 31 Ministries, and now you are releasing a devotional book. I'm sure this isn't your first. Maybe it is, but Katie, I'd love for you to go ahead and tell everybody a little bit more about you. Yeah, this is
1: actually my second uh, Bible study that is releasing, and, and the first one was actually released on january 1st 2021 so it was it was quite the journey with the first one because i wrote it before covid 2020 and then it released like day one of 2021 so that was quite an experience and what's really funny about the first one is that the title of the first one is she smiles without fear and so it was wild because the whole thing was really around uncertainty and fear of the future and I didn't even know the word COVID when I was writing it. And so it was really amazing to kind of sit back and watch, really watch God's timing. And you're like, wow, it's like, it's like he knew, you know? <laughs> and so that was when I uh, started writing studies. But yeah, like you said, Anna, you know, it started a long time before that. I actually am a mother of six children. And I married, I've been married, we're, we're in our 19th year of marriage, my husband and I, so he was kind of my college sweetheart, I guess. And, and then we, we got married right after he graduated and he started a career in the National Football League. So for thir- the first 13 years of our marriage, we did that. And for us, what that looked like, we moved 12 times in 13 years it uh we had our six children while we were moving so they were all born in different we had three boys in one city and then the other three are all so of our six children they were born in four different cities so that's always a fun fun conversation they are at the age now where they understand it it makes sense to them but it was fun trying to explain it to them when they were younger and then, <laughs> you know they'll ask so like where am i from you know what does that mean am i from there and we're like you were born there because really we didn't spend just a ton of time in any of the places mm. where, they, where they were born. So so here we are now and and my youngest is about to be 10 and my oldest is 18 and a senior in high school.
0: Crazy. <laughs> so
1: I feel like we're doing life brand new all over again, you know, because mm. we've never had a senior. We've never walked these steps that we're we're about to walk and so, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun, but it was when I was pregnant with our sixth that I started this writing journey, and so it's it's always just kind of you keep going back to the Lord like, "What now, God? what are we doing now?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I would say that we haven't lived a a routine lifestyle it's it's and I think that no matter what life you're in, you can we think we might hit routine, but just as soon as we feel like we're hitting that stride, it all changes and We start over, and Mm -hmm. so I think that's been pretty
0: typical of us too. Oh, I completely get that. I was in a season, it's funny, I felt, and I've said this a few times on my podcast, but I felt really stuck for about a year. I was, I just want change, I want something to be different, I feel like I need to be doing more. And then recently, Everything short, sort of shifted. And now I'm going, can I just go back to the way it was? <laughs> this yeah. is a lot crazier than I expected it to be.
1: <laughs> I understand that well. And it really is interesting how we can and you know, as as you go through it, I think what you learn is just to receive mm-hmm. the season where God has placed you and look to Him to please and glorify Him in that place. What and mm-hmm. it, it may not always look exactly like. What we think it should, or what we wish it should, but most of the time, you know, it we're not there as long as we think we're going to be there, and mm-hmm. and so just to receive and enjoy the place where he he puts you is mm-hmm. is not always easy to do, but I think
0: we have the freedom to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about this devotional book that's coming out on August first, correct? So I August want you to. Talk- Oh, August 8th, I apologize for that, Um, but if you can just tell us a little bit more about that and then, you know, I did have the opportunity to read most of it, I didn't get to read the entire thing, but I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit more about, you know, why you decided to write this devotional book and then just a little bit about what it, what it's about.
1: So it's, it's titled, She Belongs, Finding Your Place in the Body of Christ and i will say you know i've given you a little background we when when my husband and i first got married and we were moving all of the time and and really anyone who grew up around me anyone in my family who knew who knew me well knows me well would tell you i'm just i lean towards being the kind of girl that says things like i've got it you know and I just kind of charge whatever situation it is. And most often I do it alone. I, I don't think to ask for help. I don't really want to ask for help. I'm not really interested uh and, and haven't been in the past. I just tend to go, I'll do it myself. Whatever it is, whether it was being a mother, whether it was packing and moving, you know, whether it was. A a problem that I was trying to solve, I just my my nature was to approach it alone and, you know, I would say things like, I'll figure it out and I meant it (laughs) like I will figure it out and and I spent a lot of my life. and, And this is a word that you'll probably hear me say many times through the course of our conversation, but just I spent a lot of years. Fine. Like, I was fine. I was fine doing it on my own. I was fine tackling whatever the next thing was. And I lived fine. You know, nothing really completely fell apart. There, there were definitely times that I felt like I had hit my limit and I was exhausted and I was probably afraid, but I didn't have time for that and I didn't have any being put in place to help me in those moments. So I just tried to dismiss it and keep going if I fell behind, work to catch up. And it was just this cycle of I'll figure it out, I'll keep up, I'll catch up. And eventually God in his gentleness and in his love began to reveal to me a different option for how I live and walk out, number one, just walk through daily life. But number two, walk out the calling of every Christian to live, uh, live according to his word and his will, the way he created us to live. Mm -hmm. And he began to teach me about that. So I was having young children along the way. And I can tell you, I remember... Where I was, I I remember where I was driving with, I didn't have all six yet. I had two children at the time. And I just felt very impressed by the Holy Spirit that it would be my responsibility and extremely important for me to have my children in church on Sundays. Now, that may seem like a no brainer to you if that's a a normal part of your routine, but remember, my husband played in the NFL and games are on Sundays. So it would have been a really simple thing to be like, well, that's a lot. And we have games during football season. So, I'm just going to load these kids up and get to the game. But I just felt that conviction in that moment. And so it really set a pattern in our lives, no matter what dad was doing, no mat- and, and remember, we moved a dozen times. So a lot of times that meant me and eventually all six children being visitors at a new church in a new city by ourselves because of that moment and the conviction that God put in my heart. At the time, I would have told you that was for my kids, that it was important for my kids to know that Jesus came before football, which it is. But after all of these years of walking, with Jesus I can look back on that now and tell you that was for me as much as it was for my kids because God knew how he created me he knows how he has created all of us and he has created us with a need for community but specifically for community in Christ for and and you know I told you the title and finding your place in the body of Christ which is really interchangeable with just the community of believers that's how Paul uses it when he talks about it most of the time. It's, it's just a representation of being a part of a community of people who know, love, and follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, I wouldn't tell you there was this, you know, overnight I was like, okay, I, I am so bought in to living life in community. Mm-hmm. But over time, God has taught me how to, how to do that. And the blessings of it, because I will tell you that at times it felt like I was supposed to. It was something, mm-hmm. even something at times to be endured. I'm supposed to do it. Let's go. Let's just handle it. Uh, but over time, it has shifted that it's no longer something to be endured. It's something to be enjoyed. It's a gift from mm-hmm. the Lord.
0: Well, there's just so much that you said there. First, when you were talking about trying to do things on your own, I mean, I bet a lot of that, as your husband was gone a lot of the time. Oh yes, so you probably just got used to doing things. On your I mean, own, right? even to the point of like moving furniture.
1: Like, mm-hmm. I need to move this piece of furniture. The big strong husband is not here, right. so. I'll figure it out and you should see some of the creative ways I have figured things
0: out over <laughs> the years. <laughs> and you know, as you were talking to um you know, I was thinking about people talk about church hopping and how important it is to plant yourself in a church. You didn't have that opportunity when you guys were moving from place to place to place. How did you get plugged into I know you touched on it a little bit, but how did you really get plugged into Godly community and was it at all consistent? You know, did you guys have family and friends maybe that didn't live in your area that were still your community or or how did that look?
1: So I'll speak specifically and, and I talk about this and she belongs because the body of Christ is, you know, it's individual Christians coming together and each doing its own special work. You know, we talk about the body and our physical bodies have arms and hands and necks and shoulders. And, and it's the same picture. It's individuals each doing their own special part to form that body of Christ. And it can be expressed in ways that are not specifically the local church and and that happened for us as we moved around each team that luke played on had typically had a small group of women that would meet for bible study and so and and even for luke inside the facility on the team there would be and then you know sometimes it was two or three men and sometimes it was 20. and yet we would always seek that out so so one of the things that we would do is just seek out other people who were in the same place we were which for us was on the team and circle up with them around god's word and those were our small groups and we did that and luke and i would host couples bible studies in our homes and ultimately those would end up being the people we had thanksgiving and christmas with you know because we didn't have family around and many times they didn't either so that was one form of community in the body of christ that we did and and i i don't use that word lightly we would we would look for it we would seek it that would be something we would pursue in each new yeah. place that god sent us however there is still i would say we don't always want to just stay there that a lot of times and and we talk about and she belongs gifts of the spirit um, you know spiritual giftings and and things like that are oftentimes most realized and, and most utilized in a local church. And so I do want to speak to that because the kids and I did both. We would mm-hmm. find those small groups and we would get in those. And well, I would. And then the kids would run around with the other kids, the other <laughs> kids you know, um, and we would do that. And, and a lot, God did a lot in my life in those small group settings. But we would also go find a, lo- a local church. And I will tell you that there were some cities that we moved to. And the first church that we visited, we just knew this is the place for us. Um, and And that actually, you know, one of the times that happened, we were in that place for four years. And so mm-hmm. we had a really... I mean, we we had a small group at church and we had a small group on the team and we were we went to fellowships with that small group and we really did feel like that church was our church home. Those people were family to us. And those were actually, those were the, the people in that small group in that church, those were the people that showed up my at my house on a rainy Saturday morning when my husband had found out that he was being traded. And in 12 hours, our family moved to a new city and the house was left for me to pack alone with three small children. Those people showed up and packed Mm. boxes for me. They packed up my kitchen and my playroom and everybody knows moving is no fun. And they did Mm -hmm. it on a Saturday in the rain. Mm -hmm. And again, I didn't know that was coming, but God did. And he knew the blessings of being connected to the body of Christ and what that would mean for us. Um, but I also want to talk about the, the flip side of that because there were absolutely places where we would move to the, sit, the new city. And I mean, I can think of one city where we went for probably five weeks and we went to a new church every Sunday because mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't the place. And it was so discouraging because we had actually just moved from that place where we were so connected in the local mm-hmm. church. To, and I mean, I'm, I'm not going to. Sugarcoat it there. I can remember 1 specific church where I went to the balcony and the back row of the balcony and sat by myself. Through the service and cried on the back row of the balcony because. It, you know, it just, it was new and it. I didn't walk in and just feel like. I belong here and it was it was discouraging and 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 disappointing and all of the other words you can think to describe it but I didn't go home and never go back I continued because here's the key here sometimes I think when we talk about belonging in the body of Christ we want to start with one another but it always starts with Jesus. And so I would pack my kids up and go home feeling really sad and possibly lonelier than I did before I got there. Mm. But I trusted what the Lord not only told me specifically, but also tells us in his word, Mm. I trusted what he said. And so I kept going and trying a new church that honestly, and I have a, I have a, thing in, in the Bible study called finding your place, Mm. because some of us are in that, like, where do we even begin? If we're going to plug into a local church and we're going to try to pursue community in the body of Christ. And so I have just something that, that I did that we kind of learned over the years, but I I would ask like people that I met either at, at the kids school or on the team or neighbors in the community, Hey, where do you go to church? And, and then we would go try it. And if and, and a lot of times we, we tried to go more than once. I think sometimes you can go once and be like, eh, that's a no. But sometimes it requires you to go back
0: mm-hmm. maybe one,
1: two, three times even to really determine if this is where God right. is calling you to connect in the body of Christ. And so I have a whole little step-by-step, think about right. this, do this. Um, but that's what I did and And everywhere we went, we did eventually find that place that we would go back to, and sometimes we were there for one season, so for one season, we attended that that local body of Christ, and sometimes we were there for two, three, four years, and we would go for that amount of time and then now we've Luke has been retired for six or seven years, and so we have we have kind of stabilized I guess we've settled a little bit, and we have been attending a local church for the, the longest time, I think, in our marriage to this point.
0: Hey, that's nice. Well, (laughs) well, I will say this. The one thing I wanted to touch on that you said at the very beginning was that you have to seek it out. Uh, that's something that I always tell people. I mean, every single stage of life, um, has its challenges with community. Uh, I remember, Just getting ready to go to college and people would say, how did you make friends in college? I said, well, I sought out. People who were living for the Lord, I, I looked for those people, right? I could have looked for the other people, but I didn't. I looked for the ones are living for the Lord. And then in our, in my 20s, it's definitely been a challenge because I have people who are getting married, having babies, et cetera. And then some of us are single and working and, you know, just dating all of that, but it is definitely a different challenge. But I always tell people you have to seek out that godly community. So I love that you said that because it does not matter if, you know, in your situation you have, you know, six kids and your husband's moving every, I do not know, a lot, right? And uh, you are in that situation where you are having to seek it out and pursue it. Um, It's the same in almost any season of life where people have to do that. So I I love that you said that. I did want to talk about this at the beginning of the book. You talked about wounds from community, um, especially in church community. And I think that that's something that is really important to talk about because I know that I have personally experienced uh, situations where Christians acted, you know, even maybe more, I don't know the word for it, immature, or you know, there's a situation with them that just didn't go over uh, very well, um, possibly even more than non-Christians, right? And we can get hurt by our church community or by godly people, right? So can you talk a little bit about getting wounded by the church and you know how do you overcome that and continue to pursue uh, being a part of Godly community despite the fact that you've been hurt before?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm with you, Anna, I understand. And I think so often, so I have compared this to, uh, to my children when they, you know, we have six and we have our fair share of cuts and scrapes and bruises and bumps. Um, They're active people. And, um, and we can all, we can all think of a time where we have been physically injured for me, um, the easiest examples come with my kids and and usually it's gonna go one of two ways. If they've you know been riding their bike and they've scraped the concrete or whatever, either they're gonna come in crying and they're gonna have, you know, their arm and they're you know showing me mm. <laughs> and they're and they know that I'll know what to do and they they let me tend to their wound. You know, usually it's cleaning and then some Neosporin to help it heal, and then a bandage to help it, you know, keep from getting hurt worse. But then I'll have, at times, the kid that comes in, and instead of kind of showing me that place, they're covering it. Mm -hmm. And they know that it hurts and that it needs to be healed, but they recoil at my attempts to do what I need to do, in order to help the wound heal. And I think that, so I call these heart wounds because honestly, when it's a physical wound that we can see sometimes it just makes, it's easier to understand. Mm. And the obvious thing to do makes more sense to us. But we bear these heart wounds that we don't always identify as in need of healing. Mm. We will dismiss it or we will cover it and recoil at the thought of healing because we think it'll just go away or we don't acknowledge that the lack of healing will create like a weight in our lives of, of things that will spill out of it. Because mm-hmm. you think about a physical wound that goes untreated, it doesn't heal. It actually becomes more painful because it gets infected and becomes more tender. And i think that's what we do with our heart wounds sometimes especially as we're we're discussing christian community we will just pull away we'll just recoil and we'll decide a lot of times we'll say well that's not going to happen again i'm not going to get hurt like that again maybe we'll feel a little bit like we got duped we got Mm -hmm. blindsided because in christian community we don't always expect people to act like they mm-hmm. should know better that you know we we think that they won't do it because they should know better and then they do and we just feel like we got blindsided so instead of seeking healing for that we just back away and say well that's not going to happen again never mind not worth it and we we begin to place distance between ourselves mm-hmm. and the community that God designed us to have and then we remain unhealed. So mm-hmm. I, in those situations, and here I'm going to go back to what I said before, the healing doesn't start here. It doesn't begin mm-hmm. uh, horizontally between me and, and another person. The healing begins with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, the only reason we're in Christian community is because we all have Jesus in common. We love Jesus. That's why we, that's why we congregate. That's why we come together. That's why we deal with the things, and and I I don't like the word deal, I'm going to circle back, but that's why we don't move away when things mm. happen because of Jesus. Mm. But ultimately, Jesus is the only one who heals. And so if we are trying to deal with our wounds uh, on on our own or mm. between each other, then mm. all we're going to end up doing is like, poking the hurting wound and bumping into the places that already hurt. So we have to first bring those, I I call it brokenness. And she belong, bring those broken places to Jesus. And what we see throughout scripture is that he is a safe place to bring our brokenness. Hmm. He does not retract from it. He does not go, Oh my goodness. I can't even believe Hmm. he is. He he actually moves towards us in our brokenness. And and so he is a safe place if we'll begin there. We come to him and say, We show, we open that up. We show him mm-hmm. the wound and we say, This hurts. It hurts. And we can give him our absolute honest hearts. It mm-hmm. hurts because I can't, I didn't think that they would do that. Why did they do that? We can have all of that. Very raw and real conversation with our savior, mm. open up that wound to him and let him begin to he- the healing process. Mm. And once we've brought that to him, then we can look horizontally and say, okay, now what needs to happen? And some of what needs to happen may not even directly involve us. Mm -hmm. Some of what needs to happen, and I I put this in She Belongs, you know, the questions that I ask are, okay, what about this is between me and God? What needs to happen between me and God before anything positive can happen between me and anyone else? But then you also have to step back and say, what needs to happen between them and God? And some of that healing process is you praying for them. Mm -hmm. Lord, let them be available and receptive to whatever you're trying to do in their lives Hmm. and then the final piece is what needs to happen between me and them so that God is glorified and I'm going to tell you personally I am often surprised at how God answers those questions Um, I told you about charging, you know, I'm either going to recoil or I'm going to charge. And most of the time, God lands somewhere in between there. He doesn't usually land in either place. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a gentler process when we do it with the Lord mm-hmm. um, and and he is faithful to heal. And so while we talk about belonging in the body of Christ, we just always have to remember that our belonging begins with Christ and he is the starting point for our healing. He is always the starting point and and he is always the ending point for our Mm -hmm. healing. We cannot look for that from each other
0: because we can't give that to each other. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanna ask you, um, I want to kind of switch gears here and ask you about um, oneness and unity in the body of Christ. So that's something that you talk a lot about in the book as well. And I was actually having a conversation recently with a friend about, you know, what does true unity really look like in the body of Christ? Because I'm not best friends with everybody, (laughs) but also I'm not, I don't have the same gifts, talents, and abilities as everybody else. Um, And sometimes, you know, the way that I look at things is sometimes uh, people are in your life for a season to equip you during that season. And then it's time to step into a new season with a different group of people. But sometimes some people are going to be in your life for a very long period of time or, or for forever. So I would love for you just to talk a little bit about oneness and the body of Christ and, um, kind of what you learned about that as you were studying the word. And I love this question, Anna, and you're so
1: right mm-hmm. to, I love, I love that you say, what does that really look like? Because mm-hmm. I think uh, that a part of why this can be difficult is because we, we've got our definition wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So the oneness, that word one comes from Ephesians four. And so the Ephesians four is kind of the foundational passage of she belongs and specifically verses four through six, because Paul uses the word one a whole bunch of times. I'll just read it quickly, but it says there is one body and Mm -hmm. one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Okay, so there's the one, there's the key word, but it doesn't end there. So as I was studying uh, the concept of belonging uh, from Ephesians 4, the concept of oneness, it took me to John chapter 17. And in John chapter 17, we have what really, are recorded as jesus's last words before he died on the cross john Mm -hmm. chapter 18 begins with jesus's betrayal arrest trial and crucifixion so john 17 these are like jesus's last words and um as i was writing she belongs i was writing it um after my own earthly father's death and i remember so clearly his last words they impacted me in a way that I I didn't hear them consider them then forget about them when when my father said some of his last words two things happened one it was very clear that he was communicating to me what was important to him Mm. he knew that he didn't have much time left to tell me things so he made sure he told me the most important things to him. Mm. The things that he wanted to continue when he was not with mm. me any longer to continue to tell me. That, yeah. that was clear. The other thing that happened is because I knew the motivation of his words, I can still tell you exactly what he said to me that day in the hospital room. And I can tell you that I still regularly remember them and consider, am I doing what he asked me to do? This is now three years later. Mm. So when I realized John 17, when I connected that to being Jesus's last words, they became, I I leaned in a little closer, like, well, what was it? You know, I wanna hear like, what, mm. what was on his heart? Mm. And what we find is that three times, He was praying in these last words. He was praying to his father in heaven. And three times he prayed that his followers would be one. Mm. And he even said at one point, he prayed that we would be perfectly one. Mm. And he prayed not only for the disciples that were there with him, but he also prayed for those who would believe because of their testimony. And that's us. And so this concept of oneness became way more important to me once I connected all of this. And to be honest, I grew up in church and I know I have read John 17 before, but I had not received it in this way ever before. Mm -hmm. And oneness is just, I don't think we talk about it that much right now Mm -hmm. in our, in our current culture. We really do tend to say, we tend to elevate the, I've got it mentality. I can handle it on my own. We tend to elevate that. And then we just kind of don't even talk about the idea of oneness in Christ, unity. And just Mm. before Ephesians, these verses in Ephesians 4, it just talks about being eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So I just wanted to kind of preface it with that's why it's so important. Like we can't, we cannot um, be followers of Jesus and not take this seriously. I don't think. I don't think that's yeah. possible considering what we learn from John mm. 7, 17 and Ephesians four, but le- to your, to your answer, your question about what is unity? I, I mm. think that I love that you said, I'm not best friends with everybody. And I think that's okay <laughs> because again, I think we define it as, you know, I, I grew up during the days of the sitcom friends, you know, and you're, mm-hmm. you just have your best friends at the coffee shop on the couch. And it's, it's a really <laughs> fun, enjoyable picture that I think there's a little bit of a yearning in all of us, but but what we're talking about is different than that. That's very casual and that's, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But what we are talking about is a unity that is, um, we pursue it because of the mission that we are all on together. Right. Uh, I tell a story and she belongs about one of my children in their fourth grade, um, it was field day. And there was a championship in the tug of war. And just to your point, Anna, they were not all best friends. They were fourth graders. I mean, try to remember back, you know, Mm -hmm. the lunchroom problems or the playground problems. (laughs) It happens. Some people just don't, you know, I don't want to sit by that person or I don't even want to stand in line by them when we're lining up to go to the bathroom. You know, it just Mm -hmm. some of us aren't going to be best friends. But what happened on field day at the tug of war championship was remarkable because all of those little fourth graders in that one class, they were in the championship. And when it came time for the tug of war championship, what you did not see was anyone fussing with anyone else about where they stood because it didn't matter because they were united for one goal, which was to win that tug of war championship. And so all they knew is you're in the class. I'm in the class. There's the rope. Let's grab it. Mm -hmm. They did. Nobody cared about who was standing next to who. Nobody, you know, we didn't have to pause the tug of war contest because we had to figure out who, well, they can't stand by each other. Well, you know, this one's mad at (laughs) that. Nobody did that. They also didn't have to go find anybody. They were all there ready and waiting because they knew. The goal ahead of them, and just because I know you have to know they did win, they did win, the <laughs> but it I love that visual because that's us, like we're not all going to be best friends, we're not all gonna be like, I just love to be around every single follower of Jesus I have ever met in my entire life we are we are individually and uniquely made, and sometimes that means. That our unique wiring doesn't always want to spend hours upon hours having coffee and chit chatting with someone else and their unique wiring. But the way I like to say it is that the body of Christ is the place where unity and uniqueness hold hands Hmm. because we're united under one man, Jesus Christ, for one mission, which is his. And in Mm. Philippians, Paul talks about this a little bit where he just talks about striving side by side for the sake Mm. of the gospel.
0: Yeah,
1: it's really not about our preferences. It's about the preferences of heaven. It's about the priority and the agenda of heaven. And so we we don't all have to be the same. We don't have to like the same things. We don't have to look the same way, but we can be united because Mm. we have Jesus in common. And we therefore have his mission in common.
0: Hmm. And that was so good. It actually, that reminds me of uh, one time I heard Lisa Bevere say, Jesus doesn't love us all the same. He loves us all uniquely. And I thought that that was such a beautiful way of putting it. I mean, and I think that we often take that one as oneness or sameness and think we are all supposed to be the same, but we're not. It's like it talks about um, in the Bible about how, You know, we need, uh, we need our arms, we need our legs. I think you talked about that as well. Every single person has a part to play in the body of Christ. But if we didn't have each and every part, then it wouldn't be able to to come together perfectly like it does. Well, I would love to keep talking, but I wanna be mindful of time. My last question for you is going to be, what is your favorite verse? And I always ask everybody that and I'm sure it's hard because everybody always says I have about 20. If you have a favorite one, I'd love for you to share that.
1: Right. So, um, right. I think it's like, which one do I pick today? So I'll tell you, I'm going to go with Romans 12, 1 and two. Um, I, I've actually been praying that mm. a lot. That has been a verse for years and years and years in my life. And I, I think it's, Uh, Great to go even back up to the last verse in Romans 11, for from him and through him and to him are all things.
0: But then you get to
1: Romans 12 and it says, therefore, you know, and that's why you got to go back to the end of Romans 11. But, um, and it says, let us offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. And do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then we will be able to test and approve God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Mm -hmm. And I just, man, I mean, we could spend the next half hour talking about that. (laughs) There's a lot there, but um, I'll say that's my favorite right now.
0: So good. I love that verse. Well, before we go, go ahead and tell everybody when the book is coming out, where they can get it, and yeah. Yep. so August 8th is release
1: date, and you can get it, Anywhere that you like to buy your books, a simple place is if you'll just go to shebelongsbiblestudy.com. It'll take you straight to the page where you can order it from Amazon. And, um, but if you have a favorite um, place you buy books, you can get it there.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Katie. I appreciate you being on today. And I know that this really encouraged me. You know, I definitely think that community is something that people often struggle with. And I don't think that we can talk enough about it, um, and so I appreciate that there are people like you writing studies like this, and my prayer is that it impacts very many. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Anna, and let me leave everybody with this. Yeah. I think sometimes when we feel lonely, we feel like we almost shame ourselves and mm-hmm. we don't want to say anything. And I actually heard a pastor say this just last week, and I loved it. When we feel lonely, we can just take that as a reminder that we have been created in the image and likeness of God. Mm. And that's actually a great thing. Mm. So we don't have to be ashamed of it. We can just let that remind us who we are in Christ mm. and move towards the community
0: of Christ. Oh, so good. So good. Thank you, Katie. <laughs>